genre. What up, nerds, and welcome to Tales from the Short Box, the once weekly Wednesday podcast where we talk about last week's comics. Today, I am your host, Adam Sheehan, and I am here today with another partial panel of co-hosts, Sean Petit. What's up, everyone? And RJ Vite. Hello. Uh, Casey couldn't make it this evening. She's We uh, just swapped places in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, she's dealing with some... Uh, her, uh, her dog is sick, so uh, we're sending some positive vibes to Casey and her furry familiar. So as a courtesy, I want to remind all of our listeners that this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. If you haven't read last week's books yet, we may ruin them for you. Our top stories today are Powers of Ten by Jonathan Hickman with art by both Pepe Larraz and Arve Silva. And Gwenpool Strikes Back, number three, by Leah Williams and David Baldian. So uh, before top picks, uh, RJ, why don't you tell us about (laughs) Comic-Con? Or did we agree that you didn't want to tell us about Comic-Con? I mean... I went to Comic-Con. <laughs> it was exhausting because I hadn't gone all four days before. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a... Yeah, it was a lot. True test of endurance. Yep. <laughs> I got more art than I usually did, and I got more stuff signed. So it was it was good. Cool, man. Uh, it's so Who's coming on the show? Who did you convince? Uh, I got... Just the whole Marvel bullpen come, in, come right Sweet. in. Yeah, awesome. We've got, we've got room. <laughs> Stay tuned, uh, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, let's, let's, let's do top picks. Let's not waste any more time. Uh, sure. Sean, what do you got? All right. I'm going to start off with one of the, I think one of our favorites here, Coffin Bound uh, by Dan Waters, to writing uh, and the art by Danny, which is still great. Um, so... This book's nuts. Uh, I love it, though. So it kind of starts off immediate where it left off. Um, our main character gets cornered by the Earth Eater. <laughs> just the creepiest, just the creepiest looking thing. Um, manages to escape, but also, but successfully is able to get the eyes of the Prophet back uh, from of Cassandra, her friend that she left last issue. Um, so the kind of book kind of goes along. It's two main stories. It's following the main character and then the sister that they left behind um, with the ex-boyfriend that ended up killing Cassandra last issue. And she's at the club um, where the women peel their skin off, <laughs> for lack of a better term. It's my yeah. favorite club. It's they like, strip down to their, their... Their innards. Their muscles. Yeah. So she goes back to the club with the ex-boyfriend that's running the whole thing and we get some more background about the main character so you kind of find out that the prophet lost his eyes because these people that take body parts from everybody um came after her and decided that that she had a perfect heart and wanted to cut her open and he sacrificed himself and gave up his eyes for her since they were lovers in the nighttime so do we ever find out why oh it's it was the ex-boyfriend that that uh that sick the uh the earth eater. yes correct the one that owns the club did we, we ever find out why like what that I, was about i think she wronged him in some way so cause she, you find out she used to work at this club so she was one of the people that was able to like also strip down and to her muscles the skin strippers the skin we'll strippers <laughs> yes that's a good way to put it so um 
So you kind of cycle through, you get some more background and you get to the end of the issue where the main character makes it back to where he left the daughter, uh, the, the sister and Cassandra and she finds his dead body, of course, because the monster who eats lemon on his pancakes. <laughs> there was none of that this issue. Thank God. Um, is Had left his corpse there. And then... <laughs> you needed a reason to hate him. Yeah, of course. Then right before that, you see the, the sister kind of sneaks in on the... Um, the ex-boyfriend that's there, I can't remember his name, but basically just like freaks out. Is like, don't ever come in here, this room without knocking, like just like yells at her. And she's like, you know, screw this dude. And goes back down, gets on stage and does the full strip down to her muscles for like the first time. Just like completely dis de-skins. <laughs> it's, it's, it's disturbing, but it's also kind of like, I don't know, pretty. In a, it's very strange. And so, but it was, it, this was almost like a empowerment type, like she was just like fed up with it. Like, I'm going to do this. Like everyone abandoned me and this is who I am now kind of person. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on in this issue, but you, we got a lot of background on the characters, um, kind of moving the story along. Uh, the main character was kind of talking to the vulture birdcage person that they were kind of talking about like death. They actually had a lot of their banter back and forth was like hey what do you think i am because they're not quite sure what he is so they were like trying to figure out like am i an omen of the earth eater of my death did i piss somebody off and now i'm like cursed to like watch uh the, the earth eater um like go take out people like so he doesn't even know what he is he just like appears i guess it's very odd <laughs> it's just, i i love this character the it's great yeah guy. like they're building this mythology of the, this character and like the earth eater and like these skin strippers like there's also people that uh collect other body parts to enhance themselves they kind of like frankenstein themselves yeah. together to yeah. make themselves perfect which is uh and that's where she went back to get cassandra's eyes back right yeah because they took his eyes to save her it's just a very very weird universe they're building but they did have a couple of <laughs> added some humor into this a little bit this time instead of just being a real depressing yeah. <laughs> like they show the earth eater uh fight i can't remember the tagline they put under him oh it's like earth eater doesn't really like doesn't really go in for big chase sequences earth eater understandably really <laughs> understandable really in that much leather <laughs> <laughs> and it's just little things like that and like she calls her friend that's like her like fixer who had cut off his limbs to get rid of some germs. And now he's just laying in like body temperature water and feels not like he just feels one with it. So now he's just like, doesn't have any like he's trying to get rid of germs, he's right? He's trying to get rid of germs like on his skin. And then when he came to the realization, I can't just keep chopping myself up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably but better. Just but he's just on a set head. Yeah. He's just in a headset floating in like a pool now. In a saline <laughs> solution, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that sounds kind of nice. It does, and he's just but he cut off his arms and leg. Like this dude's a lunatic. Like I don't know what's going on. And she's just like, oh, all right, whatever. I don't really know what to do with you. But overall, like now she's gonna be all mad probably because they killed her ex boyfriend. That sister is now appears to be following a similar track that she did, and she seems to have a lot of issues right now. <laughs> uh, so or is Lizzie, I think is it, so. I, I don't know where they're going to go with this book because I think what started as her erasing herself from the world I think is going to turn into a saving Cassandra's sister from the same thing that happens to her. So I, I 
yeah, I'm not sure where they're going to go with this, but it's the art is great. The world building is happening and it's <laughs> and the, insane. The dialogue is great. There's a zounds in there. I haven't seen good zounds in zounds. forever. Yeah, the, the dialogue in this book is something yeah, so different like, altogether. I don't know how old the sister's supposed to be, but she speaks like she's 50. Just like, I'm I'm old. I'm fine. I, my, I'm older than my decay. Like, just very, again, we talked about the dialogue a lot. Just the way these characters talk just don't match this book at all. It just sounds like they're trying to overcome death. Yeah. Kind of. I feel like every character is trying to do it in a different way. Like, the skin strippers yeah. are doing it by getting new skin and, like, stuff like that. And yeah. she's trying to remove herself so she can't be killed. And then you got the poet ex-boyfriend guy who just seems to be a lunatic <laughs> yeah he's weird yeah like he's in this room just writing poetry and like she just like comes in to say hi and she just, he just like flips out and like get the hell out of here like <laughs> don't ever do don't ever come in here without knocking again and it's just he just seems like a i don't know like a just a sad sack but also like the joker <laughs> and like a, yeah it's just an odd mix of people it's very strange but it's a great book I don't even know if you just grab the issues or just wait for the trade at this point because it's so insane. But I would recommend this book. I yeah, can't recommend I, it I, I I think I would recommend uh, trade waiting for this. Yeah, I feel like the story probably is a bit more coherent <laughs> in yeah. a trade. Like, because I, I feel like um, each time an issue comes out, I go to read it and I completely forget what happened last month. Yeah, like there, there's a few books that'll do that to me. Like I, I almost fair. have to have the back issues handy. This definitely feels like one. Yeah, this definitely feels like one this of is, them. This is a binge read. Yeah, I'll just maybe I'll just wait. I won't talk about it. We'll just talk about it six issues at a time. <laughs> well, yeah, but I feel like that's even like for what we do here, that would be difficult. It would just have to be an entire episode. Yeah, <laughs> the writer this week DC put out um, uh, a horror anthology like eighty page giant, and the writer actually had uh, a story that was like a Cthulhu esque adam horror story oh, where i read that oh did you yeah yeah it's cool it that was i didn't realize it was the same guy that's awesome ryan uh, is it ryan Choi or uh i forget his name uh the second adam he is uh investigating suicides and then has to shrink down and finds like a worm god kind of yeah that seems to be what happened and it was very odd but now that knowing it was the same person that wrote cough about it makes perfect sense yeah and that was a like the only other time i'd seen his work so i gotta look up what else he wrote yeah i'm really enjoying his writing style it's because even in that it was very poetic um and like didn't quite fit the material it was i really liked it cool yeah yeah so (laughs) rj what's at the top of your pile this week Uh, i got wonder twins number eight by Mark Russell nice. and Mike Norton. That sounds right. <laughs> I, this book is so good. It's so funny. So this issue s- starts with uh, the Wonder Twins principal. He wants to cancel the high school reunion because he was in love with the librarian. And for some reason, he broke up with her and hasn't has avoided her the, the whole time. And the, like whenever someone asks what happened, he just goes... Uh, I made a huge mistake and they don't ever explain why he broke up with her and later towards the issue there ha- uh, he actually meets up with her at the reunion and she's like what what happened we were in love and everything was going fine he's like I'm a complicated man I'm like what does that mean <laughs> they never explain <laughs> wait, wait. so 
he what <laughs> he, this, this dude just feels like he just did everything wrong like there's got to be a good yeah reason, he just broke right? up with it yeah there's got to be a good reason so for that. he's trying to get jana to uh cancel the high school reunion but he does but she ends up wanting to wanting him to confront her which ends up happening yeah uh so she sets up the high school reunion and gets uh a casino night i guess is the high school reunion? Is that, is that the theme? Yeah, that's the theme. Is like is like blackjack tables. All right. And Zan is the enforcer. He puts on a mustache and a jacket and becomes like a mob enforcer. <laughs> what is up with DC books of fake mustaches? This, this 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 almost sounds like an Archie property. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And like the 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 uh. Trinity, uh, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman are also ridiculous in it because the Wonder Twins are interns at the Justice uh, Hall of Justice, <laughs> and there's an awesome. issue where Batman, uh, Zan gets humiliated at school, and Batman comes in and was saying that he wrote a love letter in school, uh, set to the tune of a Bee Gees song, and they got it got out, uh, read out loud in school and so everyone called bruce wayne bg for <laughs> years and i was like this is just a ridiculous batman story yeah that's really funny <laughs> this sounds like the this like the zanier side of the dc universe it's for it's sure really funny I, i'm learning through rj that there is a very zany side of the dc universe Which, that i never knew about me either <laughs> i feel the same way i didn't realize that there was this just completely different dc universe i wasn't reading at all which yeah. is great. There's so many different sandboxes. That's why it's so great. I do have one question. So yeah. when Zan has a fake mustache and he transforms, does it come with him or does the mustache fall off? Because if, if he was just like a bucket of ice with a mustache, because that would be hilarious. Uh, well, it's, it's a fake mustache. So I assume that it falls off. I, he turns at the end of the issue, but I DC's forget. really on a, a fake mustache kick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It's every there. It's like in every book. All it, of a it's sudden. almost like they were all hanging out at a bar, and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> let's try to all get fake mustaches in our books this month." They made a mustache pact. Yeah, <laughs> all the writers. <laughs> well, they they looked at Claire Kent and was just like, "Well, I don't want to do the jury curl and the glasses. I'm going to do something curl. else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go a different route." <laughs> the, um... <laughs> So the the issue, the first page of the issue is the principal opening up to a dating site because he's just, I guess he's just given up on the librarian and it's sad dads. Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, the app is sad dads? Oh, that's fantastic. Dude, that app would kill. Oh my God. It would. That would make a lot of money. It would. Or I I, I think I I would tweak it. I would call it sad daddies. (laughs) That might be a very specific market though. Yeah. Like who's the other, who's on the other side of that? People looking for sad daddies. Yeah. It's sad dads dating, but sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, great. that's pretty much the main plot. But then the other plot is that um, Jaina's friend from two issues ago who got arrested uh, breaks out and Jaina confronts her. Um, her. Her friend's dad was a black Lex Luthor who worked for Lex, but he didn't have the funding. He was as smart as Lex, but he didn't have the funding. So he got forced to like just be Lex's lapdog. And he got accidentally vanished by a woman with a Kryptonian cell phone. And he's in the Phantom Zone. Uh, what? So 
her uh, his daughter who is Jaina's friend uh named Paul her name is Polymath she helped uh a villain named the Scrambler um come up with a plan to take over or to destroy the world essentially by scrambling everyone the entire population into different bodies and the Scrambler is like this dude this sad guy with a um with an egg on as his logo, to, does he have like a, a scepter oh with a whisk God. at the end of it? <laughs> he's got a he's got his he's got an egg on his as his logo. Oh my God! And he he was part of the Legion of Doom, but they filled his spot, so he had to go to the Legion of Annoyance. And <laughs> they're like, "What's what's what what's her plan?" And he's he goes, "Well, I." have you know if you get me into this gala with the president i could just switch bodies with the president and boom we have the nation and they're like i don't think we have money to get you into the gala (laughs) (laughs) so he decided to just team up with uh polymath to come up with a scheme to turn everyone's bodies differently just with an email like you just look at the email and your your body gets scrambled it's a phishing scam yeah the ultimate phishing scam i like it so they catch them and then Jaina gets uh Jaina like loses her best friend so mm. this this issue she she thinks that her dad is alive which he is because he's in the phantom zone so next issue they're gonna uh reconcile more i hope um but she breaks out of prison by following the ice cream truck that visits the prison <laughs> as one does as one does it's such a it's so goofy i this, love it this feels like something you would read in the newspaper on sundays There's, yeah like it's this is bonkers. Also, Zan, as the enforcer of the casino, he uh, there's a prize booth, and there's a Spuds McKenzie doll. It's essentially Spuds McKenzie plush. <laughs> and there's this guy who's like really, really into the Spuds McKenzie plush and is trying to win it, and he starts cheating. So Zan brings him in, and he's like, all right, guys, break his legs. And he, <laughs> he destroys the Spuds McKenzie doll. He's like, no, he was the ultimate party animal. <laughs> and, then, and then they're like... Zan, what do we do? He's like, I don't know. Don't ask me. I, I hate what I've become. And he rips off his fake mustache and he leaves and he quits. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm starting to think that there's that there's a pact in DC. Oh. I think we're gonna see a it w- over the next month or so. We're gonna see a fake mustache in every single book. I think the the capper will be like the uh, the Wonder Woman fake mustache issue. Oh man, that'll be. It. I can't wait. That's gonna be it. She's got to go undercover <laughs> for some reason. She needs a fake mustache, and that's just gonna be the pinnacle of DC's fake mustache There was nonsense. an editorial mandate for fake mustaches <laughs> yeah, that yeah. just subtly worked its way through. There's an inner office email all about mustaches. <laughs> Jeff Johns is just obsessed with fake mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, the, I, that like I really enjoy the book. That sounds like it's, a lot of fun. <laughs> Mark Russell, I mean, we talked about Second Coming and uh, his uh, some of his other work. He, mm-hmm. He's really consistent and super funny and lot of you know i think he's one of the most underrated writers right now yeah i I want to check this book out now i just i I, i've been like kind of wading into the pool of dc comics again Mm -hmm. after like just having not read anything the longest time and i i really like it like their cast of characters is so deep like you never have to create a character in dc because there's there's some bizarre thing somewhere that you can reach out well i think i've mentioned this before that marvel i i personally to me it feels like marvel uh brings back a lot of its obscure characters there's always a writer like bendis or someone who's like really interested in doing that but dc doesn't that doesn't happen as much like morrison does it but not not 
a lot. Um, and there's so much obscure 60s stuff. And yeah. like Jeff Johns was really good at that. He, I remember Kyle Baker played around with that when he was writing Plastic Man. Oh, man, like, yeah. He, he did a whole uh, story arc where there was a villain who his superpower was he could mess with continuity. Okay. And um, he he took a bunch of like famous continuity errors and pointed them out and was like, oh, yeah, that was him. So oh, it was like, awesome. yeah, it was really great. That's like, fun. I, I love it when they play with, with that sort of Yeah, and of they thing. have Ambush yeah. Bug, too. They can do that. Ambush Bug. <laughs> I just love you naming these characters. It gets me like, it's, every it's, time. It sounds like you're making them up. Absolutely. <laughs> Abs- it, you could make some up, and I would, would believe. I would absolutely 100%. I have no clue, and I would just believe you. Just come up with a DC issue, and it's all just actually written by me. That would be so. Just good. pitching my. <laughs> that would be like, just what, pitching my that's fan our fiction top story. <laughs> or like, like your your top pick is just you making <laughs> making crap up that we're just gullibly just totally believing. Or like one of us was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that character. It would have to be a day when when Casey's not here because Casey would pick up on it. Yeah, you could definitely pull put the wool over our eyes for <laughs> sure. All right, so that that comes to me. My my top pick this week is Usagi Ojimbo number five, everyone's favorite bunny body bodyguard. Is there another one? I, not that I know of. Oh, okay. Well, okay. wait till my fanfic. Yeah, right. Wait till <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen anything yet. Anyway, this this issue was kind of a bummer. Um, so I, I think I mentioned last issue. He's he's been kind of bodyguarding this bodyguarding uh i guess that's the word right it just sounds weird bunny just, guarding just guard- bunny guarding or just guarding guarding that might be easier or escorting Ooh, uh, yeah uh, yeah uh, escorting is escorting fine. Is yeah fine. i think that's right <laughs> but uh, he, he's been he's been helping out this 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 woman she's a writer she writes these stories that that um usagi's kind of captivated by that a lot of the the people in her village are captivated by but she's also the wife of the lord of this village who just hates the attention that her writing has been getting cuz yeah. it's cuz she's getting more than he does right because Pe- people he's a love her more than him and yep. he just can't stand that cuz he's a jerk <laughs> so they they've been hiding out in this abandoned temple and um a bunch of a bunch of these uh these bandits show up they're like, there's a samurai in there, um, and he has this this woman of wealth. We're gonna go in there and steal everything that she has. So that they they smoke them out. He comes out and just like starts slaughtering these dudes, and the rest of them get away. And then um, they end up back at her um, her, da- her her father's her village. house, right? Yeah, well, her father's house. Yeah, and he's just like, you know, oh, thanks for saving my daughter. And then her her dickhead of a husband shows up. <laughs> He he keeps calling her wife, oh, which I just dude. can't stand. Oh, it's so yeah, like the way it's he, so cringy. And just like he's just not even like, oh, thanks for rescue. It's like, yo, wife, why did you run away? Like it's all just very backhand. Like just like come with me, property. Like stop yeah, it exactly. And and her father's kind of like you know we all live by this warrior code, this bushido, and she's actually also kind of a. Uh, a bit of a warrior herself, I guess you could say, or at yeah. least according to her father. Yeah. So a bit of a warrior. A, bi- a little bit of a warrior. <laughs> I dabbled. So he's like, um, you know, you have to obey your husband. It's part of our code. And then Usagi's like, you know, I live by that code too. And she's even like not happy about it because she's like, we all live by a code, like type of thing. She's like, wants to be better, but like, she's like, uh, 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 all right. 
I guess. Yeah. And then, so her father goes, uh, lends Usagi a horse who he's, you know, he's like, hey, you know, this it beats walking all the way across. He seems very happy to have a horse. Yeah, he's thrilled to have a horse. I, I don't think I've ever seen him ride a horse. He's always kind of on foot. So he's he's kind of great, thankful for it. So he goes riding off um, and he comes across this this lord and his wife who is just dead in the middle of the woods. Yes. So he's like, you killed her, you monster. And he's like, no, it was those bandits that you let get away. And, you know. Like, he knows he's lying, but he can't prove it. So he just kind of lets him go, right? Yeah. So, like, he rides off. And then uh, Usagi finds out that she's still a little bit alive. And uh, she just starts calling him her hero. Because it kind of echoes... The in story this, in the beginning, this, The right? story in the beginning. In the beginning, Usagi's reading the story that she wrote, and like he's kind of projecting himself as the hero mm-hmm. and her as this damsel, but there's this whole thing where she keeps repeating, my hero, my hero, yeah. and those are kind of her last words, and it's like real super-duper sad. Yeah, it was that these last like five, six pages really bummed me out. Yeah, so we cut back to this lord months later. Oh, I loved this. And uh, one, of, one of his... Uh, his subjects starts telling him about like, you know, the whole village is just eating up these stories that your late wife wrote. Yeah. The new book came out that she was about to publish before she died. Yeah. And everyone just loves it. Everyone loves it. Everyone's just like talking about it and praising her and all of this stuff. And then we just cut to this guy just sitting by himself. He's like, even in death, I'm living in her shadow. And then he just pulls out his sword and just commits seppuku. Good. Yeah. Like, I feel like Casey would have really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it's like, like uh, that's, that's a sad. It was sad a sad ending arc. for sure. It, it, I wasn't, I was expecting this to go on for like at least three issues, but this, it was this particular arc. Yeah. This was just like a two issue story arc, but like, so man, this, is, this was the only issue. It's the first issue of this. I've read. I really enjoyed it. It's 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 got this like whimsy about it. Yeah, I think that. But it's, with depression. But it's well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's sad, but like you know, it's it's Are, like rabbits and foxes and dogs and stuff. The, like the uh, there's a yeah. shit down the comic. <laughs> yeah, it, there's something <laughs> funny about a dog with a sword yelling at a rabbit with a sword, and then they start just fighting each other. It's like there's something <laughs> in her, but like the art style kind of feels like that. It's like it's very stylized. Yeah. to fit the like samurai type story and i really i really liked that yeah it's got that it's got that like old world japan but it's also like a a world in and of itself yeah and the covers for this have been incredible yeah it's like uh it's yeah it's i love stan sakai i i have for the longest time i'm 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 so glad i'm getting other people into this i think one of my favorite (laughs) lines of this was at the end when um because he's just upset that the wife's getting notoriety and the, the subject that comes in is like, yeah, she's so popular. Her name will live on for thousands of years, way longer than either of ours. And this, and he's just like this. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, because like, like, he killed her for no reason. Yeah, because she, he, he had no reason to kill her to begin with. No, not he, at all. Even in his own warped logic, like he yeah. kind of amplified the the adoration yeah he felt like she was doing it to show him up not because she was a good writer or gifted he just thought it was oh my wife is disrespecting me not like oh she also just writes and it deserves praise as well yeah like what he's just such a jerk i'm kind of glad that he died (laughs) like to be honest (laughs) like it sucks that he had he killed his wife and that kind of you know 
but she you know at least they will remember her name and not his which is great right so that's yeah. that makes me feel a little bit better about yeah she'll she'll go on she'll live on in history as this great writer yeah. and he'll live on in history as this dope who killed himself because he couldn't handle his wife being a good writer Yeah, because he just couldn't support his wife yeah that's it yeah. that's all it was Su- support your lady man that's yeah. that's the it's the moral issue here it's the moral issue perfect we're learning <laughs> we learned last week and now we're learning this week yeah be uh be good to your lady <laughs> Uh, Sean, what else you got? Round two. Uh, I'm going to, because I might as well just run down this entire series. Black Hammer Justice League. Oh, geez. Didn't we already? Number four. <laughs> um, This is Jeff Lemire doing the art and Michael Walsh. Oh, sorry. Jeff Lemire doing the writing. Michael Walsh doing the art. Um, This book is fun. This, I think that d- dips into the fun part of DC that RJ lives in. <laughs> um, So it kind of picks up. They just decided to put every character in this book to this week, which is great. So it kind of starts out like the Justice League, uh, sorry, the Black Hammer characters had escaped from the Justice League and they're like trying to figure out what's going on. They kind of track down Golden Gale, who's transformed back into the old lady and is really happy about it um, with the help of Zatanna. Um, so, and then Zatanna and Dragonfly have some really great banter which i'll kind of circle back to once we get through the plot mm-hmm. so they're kind of all there and they're kind of figuring out what's going on um and then the specter shows up uh, which one this one the big green one there's uh, just well, there's three i it just says specter i don't know oh man <laughs> i'm sorry jim corrigan christmas allen and it, how jordan it doesn't say all right um does he have a mustache he does <laughs> he does not christmas not, allen has a not like, yet goatee. he doesn't have a mustache yet um so then the martian manhunter uh hawk girl and aquaman show up the specters there and then the black hammer people and the justice league just they just start duking it out this is just another one of those things that was written by a guy with a bunch of action figures one million percent (laughs) and i love it yeah but jeff lemire so he cried all over the action figures oh okay yeah definitely accurate (laughs) i mean he's Um, like the my favorite writer right now it's like just really, so sad. He really taps into that part of your emotions. Like it's, you might feel happy, but there's also just like a little bit of sadness to it. <laughs> um, so then it kind of cuts back. So there's two main things. Obviously, we're in the DC universe and Black Hammer universe. It cuts back to the Justice League character stuck in the Black Hammer universe, and they're talking to Talkie Walkie, and she's he's like, "Uh, what are you guys doing here? Where are my friends?" And then for, <laughs> they finally have this idea of oh, let's go put the lasso of truth on somebody and see what they say about why they're there. And once they do that, Wonder Woman puts it on Clark. He remembers everything. Remembers Starro and them getting <laughs> transported. I don't know how you could forget Starro. We haven't and, brought Starro up in a while. And what happened to the Flash and like this weird character and like, in a mu- with a mustache and like a bowl hat. Like, <laughs> so he's like, oh my God, I remember everything. So then it cuts back to the other. So now there's three i guess there's three now so it's the flash colonel weird and the green lantern are in like this other world they got transported to and basically through their conversations and figuring out you find out who's behind this whole thing and it's mr mistlepix of, <laughs> of course, course. <laughs> i love mixel pit is mixel pitlick miss however dude i don't even uh, know it he- breaks He's also, in, uh, <laughs> he's also in Wonder Twins. They, he really? They defeat him with a computer. 
Sure. They they get him to say his name backwards and they just run it. They just run it backwards through a computer. Well, here there's like just a real big um, splash page and he says, that's my name, green jeans. Don't wear it out. And he's just like sitting in front of the sign. It just says like half price souls with a bunch, bunch of little like starro tentacles and stuff. And he's holding an ice cream cone. I'm like, all right, this is just bonkers. But that's fine. <laughs> I love M- Mixel Pitlick because he's like the great gazoo. <laughs> right. he is yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can kind of just do whatever with them really I, I i love characters like that like batmite's another one where like he's a cartoon living within what's already a cartoon world like yeah well they're both from the same dimension yeah well there I you go so. there it is so and maybe kazoo, just got a, maybe kazoo is from that dimension. maybe but scooby-doo just got a meet some flake too really yeah because batmite and there was a scooby-doo batman crossover oh. and it was like batmite and Scooby, I don't know what his name is. But sure, Scoob might. Sure, Scoob might. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, so basically, towards the end of the issue, you find out Mister Mister—he's just doing it for fun because he's just a zany dude. He just does it for the lulls. And then basically, he's like, "Okay, I'll undo everything if everyone decides willingly that they'll go back to the where they came from. So all the Justice League will go back to the DC universe, and all the Black Hammer people will go back to the farm." The big thing here is Golden Gale's now transformed back into her normal human form and she's happy and everything's great. So like she would also have to give up that to kind of reset everything. So she would have to go back to her nine-year-old form? Yeah, because that's what she's trapped in on the farm. So that's kind of like the gotcha uh, of the whole thing. That's the deal with the devil part. Exactly. So is Mixel Pit like a demon? I feel like he... No, he's... From the fifth dimension. I feel like effectively he's a demon. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, for all intents and purposes, he's basically a demon. Yeah, for sure. Maybe the fifth dimension is just demons. It's hell. Yeah. No, but there is a hell in DC. (laughs) And it's the fifth dimension. We've been over this, RJ. (laughs) No, it's different. (laughs) All right, so he's not a demon. Okay, got it. He's totally a demon. (laughs) Um, Whatever. This is a fun... I really like uh, how Jeff Lemire is writing all of these characters, like, um, especially with being in the DC universe and being in the Black Hammer universe. So like you put the Black Hammer Dark Horse characters in the DC universe so they're, they, don't, they don't fit their cursing so it gets bleeped and stuff like that. But they're oh, also okay. still super sassy. So like Dragonfly is like there's a Tana. It's like a counterpart. Um, That's why she's my favorite. So they tracked up and then Dragonfly is like, I thought I smelled cheap magic. And Zaytana's like, and I thought I smelled cheap hair dye. (laughs) So (laughs) so they have really good banter back and forth. And then back on the, um, back on the farm, like they're freaking out about what's going on. And then uh, the DC characters are cursing because they're there and they're like, whoa, what do you, you never talk like that. And it's just like an interesting way to like show the differences between the two universes and how they talk. Um, The art's great. Um, it kind of blends them really well. I, I like the really dark and gloomy when they're talking about the characters. And then this other dimension where Mistopix is, it just kind of looks like a really bright sea of stars type place with just whales in the sky and stuff. Like who knows where they're at? Maybe they're in the fifth dimension. I have no idea. <laughs> um, it just seems like a th- another thing, like, like you said, DC, Jeff Lemire, like just dumped out his toy crate is like, okay, here's what I got. I'm going to go make a story. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it sounds sounds good. I'm guessing there's only probably one or two more issues. I think it's a mini series. I can't imagine there's How many, many issues left. in are we are we now? We're four in. So it's like uh I think it's gonna be five or six. It doesn't 
quite say, but I can't imagine it's going to be much longer since they already know they know who's behind it and everything. And yeah, Lemire we just... put on Lemire put on Twitter that uh, he just started writing Black Hammer Rebirth. Oh snap! Yeah, yeah, because didn't we just kind of put a bow on Black Hammer? That yeah, like the Age of Doom with those. I, I think with those characters, there's you can't so, put a bow on money. Yeah, but if he's doing a rebirth, comics. it could be other. It could be other characters. Black Hammer makes Dark Horse a lot of money. It, yeah, it's a great book, so yeah. I understand. But if he's got good stories to tell in this universe, I'm all in. Yeah, do it. Why yeah. not? And I don't, I don't know of any bad Le- Jeff Lemire stories off the top of my head. And, and I, f- I feel like too, it, in any other medium, it's like let's let's cut this off before it gets convoluted. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if, with comics, it's almost it's. The more convoluted it gets, the better it gets. Yeah, it's like reading. I mean, that, that, yeah, it's what makes Morrison's paychecks. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you're right because I think there's some satisfaction in reading, like with a Hickman book, a Morrison book. When you get it, you're like, and you just feel so happy yeah. that you just like, I get everything now. We're great. I can. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I feel with turtles. Like turtles, like. That story is getting so crazy, but the crazier it gets, the more I like it. Yeah. And when he finally like gets to the payoff, you're going to be like, this is awesome. Yeah. You, it's yeah. going to be it's, great. Yeah. It's your reward for, you know, con- like loyalty. Yeah. For pay. sticking with yeah. it. For yeah, for sure. Because like when, if you were to try to drop into it now, like, like I, I, I tried <laughs> like to drop to. it on you guys. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like you guys, you guys were laughing about the Triceratons, but the Triceratons were introduced in the original mirage run in issue three so they've been around forever they've been around for as long as the turtles almost it's like yeah that sounds crazy but like that's a that's a staple in yeah in, in turtles storytelling yeah someone you're just dropping it on it's like you sound crazy yeah i, yeah. I sounded like a yeah lunatic. i was immediately hooked i <laughs> just want all the triceratons well, I, I, a lot of the early stuff um like the original Mirage run, a lot of the original Archie run. It's all if you have Comicsology Unlimited, it's all free. Like they're, oh, they're that's great. a lot of the old school stuff. Like you could get caught up pretty easily. I, I liked what you were saying, so it made me want to like catch up, like yeah. and read it. But it seems very daunting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's issue ninety eight now. <laughs> yeah, and that's just the IDW series. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. There's probably a lot more before that. It's and, not right? as bad as Transformers, who IDW also rebooted, and yeah. that is. Because they're, I don't know about Turtles, but their IDW run started as a kind of continuation from the old Marvel series. Yeah. Oh so it was, it's just so much. And I, I have two friends that are super into the comics and mm-hmm. it's just, I really want to read them, but it's so much. I, yeah. I, I've got, I got back into, um, into Transformers a couple of times. Like there was a. There was this company before IDW that relaunched um, Transformers and Ghostbusters, and they were both okay, but like I, I didn't get more than like five or six issues in, and then IDW took both of them, and I, I jumped in to both, but uh, Transformers, I kind of fell off. Yeah, it's a lot. It's so much. There, yeah. <laughs> and there's so many characters. They, and my friends were like telling me about like there's relationships and I was like, I don't know how that works, but I love it. <laughs> well, well there, there's a Transformers Ghostbusters crossover right now and that confuses the hell out of me. I'm like, so there's robot ghosts? Like, like the only thing I would stick around for with hmm. the Transformers Ghostbusters crossover is the Ecto-1 transforming. Oh, that would be amazing. They, like, no, they have to. I want that toy. 
if they don't do that i'm not they, a toy guy but i want that it's a complete waste of a comic book if they don't do that <laughs> like, it just, tur- it just waste. turns into slimer <laughs> like a giant like the entire comic book should be based off of that idea because yeah, if that's not pr- what yeah, are they doing like that has to be yeah. what sparked that Again, someone just dumped all oh, their they toys need, like, out. Uh, <laughs> they need like a combiner that turns into Stay Puffed. Yes. There it is. Oh my God, a Stay Puffed Transformer. Or, because they, they've also been doing, oh man, they, they've been doing uh, like universe crossovers. So there's a bunch of different versions of the Ghostbusters and they're like trans-dimensional. Oh like, like the 80s cartoon, mm. the mid 90s cartoon. It, it's... It's nuts. Uh, the the answer the call Ghostbusters, the female cast, they're all canon. Okay. In this comic. In this comic. Oh my e- God. Egon created a, a trans-dimensional door. So they have a ton of possibilities with Into this. the Busters-verse. Into the Busters-verse. So imagine all of the Ecto-1s transforming and then combining to, into like a own Megazord. Team? Oh, I love it. My God. I would watch that. I'd read that. I don't that'd even be, know. That'd be excellent, right? Pick a medium. I'm in. I don't care. <laughs> I gotta send this to Hasbro. That'd be an awesome. Right? Yeah, that'd be a dude, great cartoon. That's that. That'll push some plastic, man. Yep. Do people buy toys still? Oh yeah. Like, do children buy toys? Oh man, you I don't are... think kids buy toys anymore. Okay, I didn't think so. It's just like guys our age that want to buy toys and <laughs> and people who write comic books. The, the Transformers <laughs> like action figures have their own storyline. Yeah. Wait. Okay. We're going to break my brain. It's funny. I, I'm actually, I, I got sucked into this Twitter thread over the past couple of days. Um, someone added all of the hosts of TMNT Minute trying to like get on blast with this NECA Toys pre-order for a figure of Splinter's Force Ghost from from the original movie when he oh, like man. appears above the campfire. Oh, People great. are going nuts over this thing. I'm like... This is just Star Wars. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of turtles, not Star Wars. Get away from me. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, that uh, p- people go crazy. There was a yeah. couple of um, NECA pre-orders that I think GameStop did like an exclusive, and they dropped the ball. And like, I thought someone was going to get murdered over this. Dude, people are crazy for that stuff. Yeah, like well, they're very specific fandoms. They just go nuts. So. Um, Hasbro has been doing like Marvel Legends, but been doing like Walgreens exclusives, and they did a they did a Danny Moonstar for the New Mutants. But not only is she Danny Moonstar, but she's Karma and um, Wolfsbane, so you can swap her out to make three different New Mutants. That's wow. awesome. And I was like, I well, I immediately need three, <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, can have right. one of each at all times. Yeah. yeah, that's how I keep buying multiple issues, multiple copies of issues of Tank Girl because. The center spread is a poster, and mm. sometimes I really want it. And I'm like, well, I have to buy two copies because I can't <laughs> just, just for the poster. ruin my only game. Yeah. <laughs> should be able to get those posters a different way. Yeah. Like maybe like after a couple weeks or something. Or like I'm... actual poster size. I, I have them in a yeah, box. I, I, I still have to paint my office, but when I do, I'm going to hang them up just all over the place. Just these that'll girl be, That'll be your... Uh... Your sound dampeners? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the uh, ridiculous side of the hobby that Sean does not dabble in at all. The this collecting. Is... No, I, I did a little bit and I realized either I would just have to go all in or I need to stop now. Cause yeah, because you drive yourself crazy over yeah, it. Like, I, I... When, you ha- when you're missing something, it like... Oh, I, I mean, I collect every cover with Emma and I collect every like piece of uh, just merchandise they make. And yeah. even that for a character that 
you know, she's she, they don't make as many like Wolverines as as her, or they they make less of her than like Wolverine and stuff. So, yeah. uh, it's not ter- like I could pick a worse character to try <laughs> to get merchandise for because I could choose like uh, Wolverine or Cyclops, but even even her, it's it's a pain in the pain in the butt. Yeah, I, I was that way with um with Mike and Lara Allred. Um, I was trying to collect their entire body of work for a while, and it just made me nuts. Yeah, because I, I, I wouldn't be able to. I, I did it when I first got into comics. I was like, I need. Well, everything. I just. Yeah. And I, I hit like, the. I can't do this. <laughs> I hit the threshold of buying. Like I just finished collecting all eight printings of Avengers vs X Men One, because she's on them, and it's just the the color of the banner changes. Oh God. Yeah. Dude. Exactly. Yeah, that stuff that stuff will suck you in. It'll no, drive you crazy. But like there's yeah, there's whole industries built on it. Like it's and crazy. Like, I don't I don't even I don't take care of my comics. I'm a I'm I'm you bad don't man say. Yeah, you're sitting in my home <laughs> office. There's just like naked comic just books strewn everywhere. everywhere. But like there there are certain things that I just get like uh record collecting. Um you get crazy about it. No, for, I I totally understand. I think I have the it, the gene in me a little bit. So I just like, you know what? I'm just going to cut it off. I'm just, I'm, I can't do this. I can't afford yeah, it. It's I'm like, just done. It's like if you, when you know you're predisposed to addiction. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. this is why I don't drink. This is literally why I don't drink. Because I fully know. <laughs> yeah, that's, you, dude, it, that's like, fair. Yeah. You just know that you, if you just know that about you, it's like, yeah, yeah not you probably shouldn't gamble either. Oh, RJ. yeah, that's <laughs> definitely. I've played enough mobile games to know that I definitely should never go to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're way off topic. Yeah, way, um, yeah. But, you know, we this is we're doing good on time. This is good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think RJ's up next, right? Yeah. 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 So I have Dr. Doom, number one, Christopher Cantwell and LaRocca doing the art. Um, I didn't know this was coming out. I didn't then, either. <laughs> yeah. And I hadn't been keeping up with uh, Slot's Fantastic Four, but luckily this has nothing to do with it, uh, I assume. I, I, we, I wouldn't know either, so right. we just assume it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I meant to grab this and totally forgot all about it until like just now. Well, <laughs> it was pretty good. It's going <laughs> to get ruined for you. I want it. I mean, I'll still read it. Whatever. It's great. Um, So it starts with Doom being on a... Uh, news channel being interviewed for this uh, project that people are doing. I guess scientists have come up with a way to reduce uh, what what even is it? I think they were trying to reduce oh, like CO, CO2, CO2 emissions. On Earth. Yeah, yeah. By, by creating a black hole on the moon. Right. Totally great. Sounds like a great idea. Sure. Yeah. Dr. Doom wasn't so thrilled. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. he, he goes yeah. on and he gets interviewed and he's like, you guys are, this is a terrible idea. And they, they start uh, kind of pressuring him and he, and he just leaves. He, um, and then people are like, well, they're going to quote you. And if it works, you're going to be wrong. And he, and he's like, it's fine. They're, that's not going to happen. Um, but then as the, uh, as the project goes along, it a nuke strike happens on the the moon, right? Is it the moon where they're doing it? Uh, yeah, like something gets attacked. Yeah, like the the base that's running this thing, like yeah. gets hit, and they they trace the the missiles from Latveria. So they so Doom is getting blamed for messing with the the black hole operation that he had just been on the news network criticizing. Yeah, there's like a terrorist group. 
like it came they, they came from latveria and there's a terrorist group that they get on the news and the the, the latvarian flags behind them and he's like uh <laughs> those aren't my dudes so yeah it doesn't look great so someone i guess someone's trying to set him up which is you know a great idea considering you know, just blame dr doom i'm sure <laughs> that will go real well yeah i love his uh characterization in this it's so it's peak dr doom i loved it it's so above everyone he he doesn't have time for anybody else but himself and i kind of loved it he's my benchmark for super villainy he's great oh yeah he's great him and dark side as like the the rulers that no that everyone knows automatically that you don't mess with Mm -hmm. just you don't even try to deliver them dinner because if you mess it up they'll murder you yeah uh, and th- there's a great fight scene in here towards the end where he fights Union Jack and another guy, and he is so he's so above. He just just kind of magnetizes them with his armor, and they're just done. It's it's over so quickly, dude. The one line he had, he so one of them's Captain is Union Jack, right? Yes. <laughs> he punches them, and he's like, "Exit stage Brexit or no, Brexit, it's Brexit or Brexit stage, stage left." left. Uh. <laughs> It's such a it's such a bad pun, and I love it. It was, it was terrible. I was like, "All right, this is where we're at. This is this is this is life now." Yeah, yeah, exactly. He also has a drink in his study with Kang, and they're talking, and they it's just kind of ominous and isn't really explained, and not even a little bit. No, isn't it? It was very confusing. But I mean, Kang is so confusing anyway. Yeah. I I kind of was glad that it was over very quickly because Kang and Doom like Fantastic Four continuity is so bunk it's just (laughs) (laughs) I've read that uh, Apocalypse Origin where like uh, Kang was the pharaoh in uh, ancient Egypt and there's like multiple Kangs I don't know it's it's a lot (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah uh but luckily, that's only like two issues, and they just kind of have a weird conversation. It's over. Yeah, pretty much at the end, he just gets arrested, right? Yo, yeah, he surrenders. He surrender. He sees like the implications of what's happening, and he's like, "I'm not letting them destroy Latveria." Basically, and it's like, I guess who's his like second in charge? I don't know who that person. Uh, Zora th- is that her name? Yeah, I think it's a character that was built up um, somewhere else. Okay, he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna be in charge. Uh, immediately surrender." he's like are you sure he's like and like uh yeah i'm sure and then she was like was this you and he's like how dare you how <laughs> dare you think this was me uh so that, i like that he's leading though like he's like yeah, he immediately actually, was like bam all right i'm taking charge even though i'm getting framed it clearly looks terrible um there's I'm also not letting something happen also this great part um where on the news station he's kind of just brushes off being insulted but then he has the news anchor brought to Latveria and tied up in a torture chamber and they're like don't forget him to feed him today (laughs) he says bring me the newsman named Steve (laughs) and then like it cuts like a five or six page later he's just in a dungeon (laughs) he's in a straight jacket (laughs) over like a cliff (laughs) yeah I don't like like you said just peak super villainy yeah, it's he's great just the the worst there is he even had like some great lines on the newscast like they're talking he's like oh you only hate it because stark and um 
Richards built it. He's like, Richards is sloppy, is as sloppy as Stark is reckless, just burying him. Oh, yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> and then the one the one news reporter, the woman, throws in there. Like, the, the guy was like, and Dr. Doom. And then she was like, once beaten by Squirrel Girl. <laughs> 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 just kind of throw, just punching the bear, I guess. Also, the art's really good. I, I'm so back and forth with LaRocca. He did some issues with uh, Rosenberg on Uncanny, and I didn't like them so much. But he, there's some of his old X Men stuff that I really like. I don't. It it kind of is wishy washy with how his consistency is. But this book, I thought the art worked really well. I love his cape. It's so yeah, flowy. Doom looked awesome. In yes, this. like whenever they have like there's a few splash pages just him like standing like in his castle and stuff, and he just looks. He looks awesome, man. He looks like he should be commanding a nation. Like it's it's really cool. And there's also flashbacks of his life with his his family that uh really help make him like a more fleshed out character. Yeah, it kind of explains why he's Doctor Doom. Not it gives just, it gives him a pulse. A yeah, little bit. Yes, yeah, just yeah. not an actual robot man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's such a great character because he's not just a comedic villain. He's He's got a lot to him. Yeah, he's not just Skeletor. Yeah. But Skeletor's did- my other benchmark of supervillainy. Like, <laughs> oh, well, he's obviously. Pe- he's like peak cartoon villainy. Yeah, he's just evil because... Because he's evil. Like, what else is there? Unless you <laughs> right. read the comics. Yeah. Which are great. Yeah. Oh. He man com- uh, we're not... We're, they're, they're we can't DC. go down that rabbit hole. They're so good. <laughs> James Robinson, man. Yeah, Skeletor is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Yeah. It's just like, He's, I don't know what it is about him. I just, I love him. It's those, Fair enough. It's those trunks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe it's just the way he says He-Man. Yeah, and just that, yeah. He's just, he's just so evil, yeah, but like right. so like hilariously evil. That's a great way to put it. He's I, hilariously evil. <laughs> I love, I like him and Cobra. I like anyone who's, whose idea is like, what's my evil plan today? Start a band? Yeah. <laughs> Just cold <laughs> slither. Like, whatever we not tried before? Yeah, hamburger. Yeah, there, right, right. There's a great... Uh, have you ever read Twisted Toy Fair Theater? No. So, before Robot Chicken, and back when Wizard Magazine was a thing, they had a, another magazine called Toy Fair. That, oh, I know Toy Fair, yeah. Yeah, it was all, it was all toy news. Uh, they had uh, comics that was Twisted Toy Fair Theater, and it was just action figures with uh, comic panels over them. And there's one where uh, Cobra makes a like a McDonald's chain. <laughs> oh, that's great! So funny. Uh, so I guess it's my turn. Um, I uh, I read a DC Comics. Oh man, what? you got a DC book. I have a DC book in my hands. That's crazy. It was great too. And it's even Batman, of all people. I enjoyed this a lot. So this is the first Batman book I've read in a while. Uh, Let me, let me, before I get too far into it, this is uh, by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. The writing is great. The art is great. I loved this book. Um, I know you pointed this out before, and it's really odd. I really liked the lettering. I don't know why. I just really, it really fit to me, the the style of the book that he was going with. I don't know. It really stuck out to me. Yeah, it's very bold. Yeah. Very, um, yeah, I did notice that. Uh. There's there's also this two page Snickers ad that that's really confused me. A Batman sixty six comic that I got way too far into before I realized it was an ad. Nice. I, I read the entire first page of this ad. I and read I, a lot of DC books, so I'm just aware of that ad. Yeah. 
There's there's also that Geico ad in Marvel Comics. It's the most poorly drawn piece oh, of crap uh, yeah. I have ever seen. Like like how it made it into a comic book. Just also anyway. I. I don't know if they like consider placement, but it's always I always feel like it's ill placed. Yeah, it was like it's right best. as the story was getting going. I'm like, oh, maybe this is like a weird flashback thing, and yeah. I'm like, nope, this is a Snickers ad, and <laughs> yeah, I feel I, like an idiot. Yeah, I it made me really ang- like irrationally angry. <laughs> I think the I think the worst is there was a one there was one with like the Justice League, and it was in the Justice League book, so I what? just assumed. Yeah, right. And this one was like it was just Batman solving a crime. It's like a new book, so I'm like, oh, maybe this is gonna kind of be what it's like. Well, here's our terrible review of the Snickers ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Batman a, book. Uh, two out of ten stars for the Snickers ad. Now it's all uh, into the actual book. Ten out of ten stars for this AEW ad, but that's a different podcast. Um, so it's <laughs> it start it starts off with Alfred at the uh, at the mansion, uh, tending to Thomas and Martha's grave, but yep. it's also revealed that when Thomas and Martha bought the headstones and had them placed, they also bought one for Bruce. So he just like anytime he wants to visit his parents' grave, he visits his own grave. He sees where he's going to be buried. Pretty morbid stuff. That is dark. There yeah. was a there was a line. I don't know why, but I for a minute thought Alfred was the bad guy because it's like oh, he yeah. he won't rest until the third grave is filled. And I was like, is Alfred Joker in this? Like, that, that was a that was a, a plot point at one point. I was remember it? it was a one shot comic where it was like, what if Alfred was Joker this whole time? Oh, okay, and That'd like be crazy. It, it was just kind of him pandering to Bruce, like. He's going to go out and do this anyway. I might as well give him a villain to fight. Man, they've done everything at this point. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that was a, that was a few years back. I, I yeah. forget what that was for or why that was. That's that's pretty wild. It was great. Yeah, that sounds like it would be really good. It was a really awesome what if. But um but yeah, like I There's also this one line where he says um where it says he tended them in life and will continue to tend them in death. And I was like, is this like the afterlife? Yeah, it was a very weird setup yeah, to this book. It's a strange setup. You're getting like a weird glimpse into Alfred. And, I liked and Bruce Alfred and Bruce in this, though. I did yeah, too. Alfred's his guy in the chair. Yeah. But he's also kind of over everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's kind of, sure. he's Jarvis, too, in a way. Yeah. Or Jarvis is Alfred. I don't, I don't know. But. Um, my main takeaway from this book is that when did Batman become Tony Stark? Kind of always, but like much more recently. Yeah. Like the tech has gone through the roof. He's got some crazy toys in this book. I, I like this book because it's uh, pure investigative Batman. Yeah, I and love Detective Batman. That's exactly. how Casey sold no, this to this me. This is BAU Mindhunter Batman. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, true. It, it, and I really enjoy it. Like you. They've gotten away from that a while, and it was a really cool to see him like, how do I solve a crime? And he actually goes through well, that. Well, of, of all the major characters, Batman's got to have one of the funnest sandboxes to play in, because oh, you can yeah. you can That's go true. hard noir or yeah. you know criminal investigation or anything in, in addition to superheroics. Right. Yeah, and I liked this take. I, I, I really... The fact that this is going to be a 12-issue thing, like... And we got this much in issue one. It's it's fantastic. It's going to be it, bonkers. And there's this really great bit at the beginning where there's this um, this this couple, these two guys with um, a, a, a an infant walking home from a movie, and they get mugged in an alley. Yeah. And Batman swoops in and beats him up. I thought that was a really neat touch. Yeah. 
for um, sure. So like that's that's kind of how this the story starts. He's just kind of on patrol and he he thwarts this robbery. Um, and then he gets called to this new one because like nine one one's not answering that night. And he's like, again, really? Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Like, of course, like if I was a nine one one operator in Gotham City, that's got to be the worst job. That's a rough job. Cause like you, that's a job you take home with you. Yeah, because chances are you're also calling nine one one. I would have to drink so much to just fall asleep, dude. That has to be yeah. That's got to be a rough. They should make a comic about that. Yeah, what? sure. Nine one one operators in Gotham. Oh, or I just mean, a nine one one operator who becomes a supervillain. I wouldn't be surprised. There's by a that. Gotham Central book. It's that's not. A, a, I like that. Yeah. book a lot. But yeah, so he shows up. <laughs> he shows up on the scene, and um, the neighbors are just like, look. There's a dead guy in there. We can smell it. Yeah, we haven't seen him. We can so smell this it. really reminded me of uh, the Spectre book that David Lapham wrote. Are you familiar with David Lapham? No. He wrote Stray Bullets. Oh, yes. Which is... <laughs> it's such a brutal Why book. Didn't you say so. I'm not familiar with him. Just his work. Uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of like The Wire, but just criminals. All it's, right. it's just brutal short stories. Anyway... Um, David Lapham wrote a Spectre book that's with Batman where they investigate this apartment building uh, for, I think there's a murder, but it turns out that because Spectre, his whole deal is that he's the, the hand of God, he's the judgment of, of God, he, uh, so he punishes the guilty. Um, everyone in the whole apartment complex was guilty of something, and it's super disturbing. So him and Batman go through and Spectre just kind of murders everyone in the apartment building because <laughs> they all have a crime to hide and they were the murder kind of like uncovered everyone else's crime because they they were doing something or it, it all led to this one murder so it, it domino affected everything um it reminded me of that just because it was an apartment but i thought it was gonna get a lot worse <laughs> but uh but ba- back to batman so we're kind of getting way away from this thing um he walks into the apartment there's there is clearly a corpse in there he's probably been dead for quite a while but he's this guy's like apparently obsessed with batman there's like newspaper clippings and photos that go back years and yeah. years and um batman's got this neat toy where he essentially takes a full 360 capture of the whole apartment he calls it in um you know, calls Gordon and his and his guys to come do their thing and then goes back to the cave where he can reconstruct the uh, the crime scene. But before that, like he gets home and Alfred just got his feet on the table and he's just drinking cognac and just listening to music, just trying to relax a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I like this view of Alfred, like he does all this stuff and then Bruce he just comes home and he's like, all right, what are you doing now? Can you just can you not for one night? <laughs> like. Can we just like play Parcheesi? Yeah, or like just chill. Maybe have a drink or two, like something normal. You crazy dude. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a there's this interesting thing where like um they have this conversation about um essentially detective work and how Batman can't put his his mind into the mind of a killer. He can only solve crimes from the perspective of the victim. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because Alfred's like it'd be so much easier. If you just figured out why this person wanted to be killed, he's like, no, I can't do it. Yeah. He, he also doesn't, doesn't even entertain tells the fact. Him yeah. that what he does is frivolous. He's like, you just go beat up random people and it doesn't solve anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's. Yeah. Alfred is definitely just sick of it. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it's going on, there's probably some other thing that what they're does he say? Reveal. It might have been easier for you to buy Gotham City. Yeah. Like, why don't you just buy the whole city? Yeah. And, then... and he's like, nah. 
Because <laughs> and and uh, this goes back to the beginning. Like Alfred knows one day he's gonna have to bury Bruce. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely gonna be the one that does it. It's not gonna be after Alfred, you know, is done with this yeah. life. Yeah. But anyway, so it, we he reconstructs the entire crime scene like in augmented reality. And he starts kind of stepping through the details. And then the more he steps through the details, you see Bruce is dressed as the victim. Yeah, he slowly becomes the victim, which and is like, cool. It's, I've never thought of that before. Because when you're solving a crime, you're always solving the crime from the perspective of the unsub, never the victim. Right. And that's, that's kind of a really weird and interesting take. And um, he kind of has an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And goes running back to the crime scene, and apparently, the unsub buried himself in the under, floorboards. Yeah, I under was, the victim. Yeah, and he's like this weird-looking dude. Is For this sure. is this somebody? Do we know who this is? I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be anybody yet. It could be Tetch, but no, because they say his name. Oh, uh, they do. Yeah, because oh. they, they, they talk about Vincent William Stanick, like he's the victim, or he's the supposed victim. But I don't could think. Be an, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Could be his actual name. I but I don't think this is supposed to be anybody. But he just like has like the I was lonely as he's hiding under the bed. Who he's clearly was under the bed of a with a dead corpse for a few days. Yeah, which is super odd. That's obviously, so, and it's Batman, like the Telltale Heart, but like he buried his whole body under. Yeah, <laughs> right. And Batman is like talking as the the person the whole way yeah like in the yeah. first person yeah, yeah like he's like going to the cabinet and stuff like yeah i would put it back and do this i would which do is this a and do that i'm like this which is, is a creepy. thing that you know you've seen in criminal shows but not yeah. batman it's right cool. but not usually from the like adam was saying it's always from the killer's perspective right. usually never like the, like what happened what was the victim doing like what would lead me to to his killer that, it's like it's it's such it's kind of like a tired trope but in a fresh way yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, leave it to Warren Ellis. To- yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm I'm hooked. I, I, every now and again, I get hooked on a Batman book, and I think this is going to be that one And for I think a while. the art was, like, perfect for... I'm so glad really that art, yeah. Hitch is back to not writing. Oh. <laughs> well, his art is great. I like His it. art is amazing. Yeah, I really the like authority the authority is su- such a beautiful book. Yeah, fit, and it fits perfect with Batman. It's gritty, but bright and dark it's a very odd there's a lot of it's very odd to me yeah because like even when he saves the couple in the alley like it's a dark scene but like all the colors for him and everything are very bright so you could tell like this is definitely batman like he's helped and saved these people and you could tell the blues are very blue on like his cape and stuff like yeah. that and i really like that so is it top story time it is top story time so let's let's hit uh, the button just blah 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 <laughs> Let's get right into powers of ten. You want to do powers first? Yeah. Let's do it, bud. <laughs> um, this I book, really wish Casey was here. I do too. This book was awesome. Yeah, that Moira McTaggart man, dude. Yeah. So also, powers yeah. has consistently been the book I I never thought it would be. From reading issue one, I thought it was going to be a completely different book yeah. than what they set right. out. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of the whole series that everyone kind of had all these crazy theories about yeah but you introduced all these characters and this whole world and it kind of fell by the wayside for now for now definitely coming back but for sure i i don't know powers really was way different than whatever i expected yeah and it it was it it kind of was a 
it kept shifting gears. Yeah, like, how do we yeah. want to break this book down? It, th- this was almost this was almost six completely different books. Yeah, there was a I lot agree. happening, and yeah. and even within those six completely different books, each one has four different storylines happening. So and it's re- like six times four, and reveals and revelations that have implications and stuff. It's just like a yeah. How like where do we even start? With I don't this know. It's book? like a giant. I feel like I I am I'm looking over a box of tangled up Christmas lights right now. <laughs> So I guess it was, well, and right. just going like, let's just buy new let, ones. It was just so try to, let me ref- try to power through it here. <laughs> let's at least get the story going. Like it was so, so refreshing to see someone make a, a a huge event just set up, just like yeah. he took yeah. his time. Yeah, and everything just was meticulously laid out. Yep, and it just felt so nice to not have you know a kind of like a schedule to blow things up at. He right. just kind of he just wrote it, and the schedule was dictated based on what he and was writing. He, this isn't adding new toys to the the sandbox. This is reinventing it. This right. is just completely overhauling. And we're laying groundwork for like what feels like years and years of storytelling oh my going God. forward. There's like going to be so uh, many stories coming out of this. Like it's going to be like yeah, like there's probably a decade worth of things that they can. Write it's like if Claremont took giant size x-men from 75 and made it 12 issues right and was like yeah. this is yep. what we're doing with this now Th- this yep. is this is what x-men's going to be for the next and it however long i want to write it yeah i don't know what <laughs> his editor editors were like but he just had such control he has so so much control over this yeah like uh he knows like it feels like he knows what he's doing and oh, it's just yeah. it's jordan white that's the editor on, on x-men right yeah yeah like he you can tell that jordan has complete trust in what Hickman exactly, is doing. Exactly, yeah. And and Which that that kind of speaks to to um Jordan as an editor to to just Let give him, him room. Yeah. Like, like someone like this with a story like this, let him just let him give him unless it's like bad or it's like something's not right, like let him go. Yeah, as an editor, you've got the easiest job in the world right now. With Hickman? Yes. Just let... Just, yes, it's done. Here yes. you go. Yeah, just, just no just problem. A, every now and again, answer the phone and just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so the actual book, the first five or six pages of really is the same pages where Powers opened up, Powers number one opened up. So they're rehashing the Moira-Xavier meetup for, from one of her lives. And then they go to the far future. And this is, I guess, where the one of the major revelations come from. So we find out through the banter and back and forth that this is Moira's sixth life, the the one that was missing from the timeline. So there's a lot of conversation between Wolverine. I guess we find out Wolverine and Moira are the only two mutants left. And they're like in this ecosystem being kept alive by this final evolution of humanity that's about yeah. to get absorbed into phalanx. I'm going to try to explain this the best I think I can. So <laughs> You're I guess, doing better than I, than I so was this, reading this. This person's basically explaining that his race is inevitable and the mutants never saw it coming every time. So every time, you know, they invented the Sentinels, then the Nimrods came and then these guys came and f- always defeated the mutants. And sitting here, Moira and Wolverine are basically kind of figuring it out and Moira, you know, they know, basically their assumption was, so they know Moira's power. They know when she dies, she'll go back and reset. But they've kept her alive. We're in thousands of years. So she's been alive this whole time in this, like, pod place. But their assumption is the mutants will never learn this because Wolverine won't kill her. 
Yeah. So basically, it gets to a point. This guy's just doing his evil villain montage. They're about to get it over to the phalanx, but they're going to stay there and not die, basically, is the whole idea. And then Moira's like, Wolverine and Moira, <laughs> Wolverine freaking kills the dude. That's what he does, speech. Man. And then basically, he's like, all right, do you got what you need? Do you do you know what happened? She's like, oh my God, finally, I figured out what we were missing, the missing link, how to avoid this. And Wolverine's like, close your eyes. And she's like, nah. And then just, bam, kills her. That same, that panel that we've seen so many times. Yeah. yeah. And then it Wolverine says, Wolverine with well, a woman that yeah. he loves with his claws sticking right. out of her back. And then the it says, guy's not just evil. He let not, him do that. He was right. curious because he was like, I have two options. Right. I could join Omnipotence but maybe that isn't as fulfilling as I think it's. Yeah, going he was like to be. struggling with his own humanity. Cause, yeah, but he's he's not necessarily evil. It was a super villainy type speech, but he's not. I think evil. he's he's more scientific. I think he's I, really interesting now that he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> it was like oh oh, this is a weird angle from this character that we've never seen. Yeah, or that we've because he was about you know. the phalanx was coming like in the morning, I guess, and his like the night before type of thing. Um. It's Phalanx Eve. But he pretty much gave, he just laid whatever the Moira needed. Like, yeah, this is what you didn't see coming, dum-dum. I want to take a quick moment and just um, really admire the color work in this in this bit with uh, Moira and Wolverine. Like, uh, they're these shadows. I thought it was gorgeous. Like, they're, they're in, like, this Garden of Eden, and mm-hmm. everything has this shadow of, like, leaves and flowers and stuff. And a lot of it was, like, it's almost, like, glowing. Yeah, and there's, like, lens flare. Hap- it's, like, it's beautifully done. The, yeah. the colorists on, on, this, on this book are, are Marta Garcia and David Curiel. I'm bad at names. Yeah, yeah Garcia are. went to the hospital and couldn't finish uh, one or two issues, oh I think. But they got it. They got the other guy. Well, I hope they're doing all right. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is beautiful, beautiful color work. Absolutely. This whole series, the art has just art and colors and everything. It's just been tremendous. It's been really, really great. Yeah, I just love the the box at the end when the 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 scene you're talking about just says, "And so ended the sixth life of Moira X," and I was like oh crap okay yeah so now they've kind of so now you've kind of set it up and now they go back and it's after the scene we've kept seeing three or four times where charles reads Moira's mind they save some art budget in this issue yeah for sure <laughs> and then you kind of find out more it's like you know he reads they figure out they're kind of talking and they always lose but then moira kind of figures out like i need to manipulate you you i basically she knows that she's got to mold the mutants to become what she needs to be to win it's it kind of reveals moira as the mastermind yeah and, and she's, oh, she def- basically tells xavier your dream is exactly wrong. that and Definitely, you need to yeah. wake up yeah and basically starts basically takes control of this whole revolution yeah and man it was awesome this is this th- is awesome it's it's so x-men but it's also like so refreshingly new i did not like there's no way in a million years i would be like yeah moira's in charge never never would have occurred to me loved it um and then there's like these whole journal entries on how she she managed to get xavier magneto and apocalypse all on the same page through however you know and this could be over different lines we're not quite sure because there's a bunch of entries here, but yeah, like it's just journaling her basically taking And a couple over. of them are redacted. I would love to see what some of those are. Maybe yeah. they're like, uh, like the ones that she fell in love or something like that or like had to do something maybe really bad. 
then she even talks about like how they've lost Magneto. Like, um, and talking about like she's doing some bad stuff that they were like they may not even like too. So also then we have that terrible Geico ad that you were talking about. Oh my about, god, that Geico which, ad. Which really cut it's like into it, this book big time. Because you have some of the most beautiful art that we've seen in an X-Men book in the longest time, and then just like <gasps> the worst crap my eyes have ever had to look <laughs> yeah. at if you drew the geico ad i'm sorry yeah no if you drew if you drew that <laughs> geico ad you shouldn't have been paid this is awful <laughs> so now <laughs> it's just so now we, so bad so now we cut back we find out basically no, i'm gonna switch car insurance <laughs> do it just for that ad yeah You've like i don't X-Men. want geico anymore so this we, is this is an endorsement. So we cut back and we find out uh, this is right before right before the party that we talked about in House of X. Yeah. So Magneto, Moira, and Xavier are talking to Moira in her. They call it her no space. She's like in a some weird void. She's basically like a Cohen yeah. tumor, so, right? So, yeah. So basically, so no one can find her. And then they're talking about like the council that we were talking about, and, like how they got p- certain people to agree, like Mystique. They got her to agree by bringing back. Oh yeah, they, uh, they lied said they to her. They yeah, they straight up lied to her. Said we we're gonna bring back Destiny. Well, yeah, apparently they. So I guess one of the big reveals of this series is that this isn't some kind of masterstroke. This is a hail mary. Yeah, this is yeah. a last ditch effort. Because she keeps she keeps explaining like why you can't bring destiny, destiny back and, and, and precogs in general. Yeah, yeah. And and Xavier keeps going. I know. Look, I know. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think it's interesting. One of one of the things I really hated of Bendis's run was that when he made the fact that Cyclops being on the lamb and taking all those kids uh, turned out like one of the big reveals was that he had no plan. And I was like, that doesn't feel like Cyclops to me. This feels like different circumstances. And Hickman is laying it up up front. He isn't choosing to reveal it towards the end of his run. He said that this is from the get-go saying that we, we actually have not, we have like no idea what's going to happen. This is all of us unite or we die for the final time. Yeah, because they always say, like, you know, they don't want precogs or anything to reveal, like, to everyone that they always lose. Yeah, because they, they, it would ruin their plan. Exactly. They're, it would never have any chance of succeeding. And, yeah, like, it's crazy. And that, you wouldn't be able to get people, like, apocalypse on They wouldn't board. buy in. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I think it's interesting because he, he, Hickman played with so many people's perceptions of, like, especially Xavier. I know myself... Like we kept saying that Xavier's up to something, but this he's scared and broken. Yeah. Like that that's what they're hiding, is that they're terrified. Uh is yeah. that is that they yeah. know they're not going to win. Exactly. But they're trying anyway for the first and, and time. I, I love that all of this is happening while this like rager of a party and it's is the same, going on. It's almost like the same I, I don't recall if it's exactly the same text, but I feel like it, it sheds just a very different light. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the party was weird to begin with, but now it's even like, it's like, oh, wow, there is really they're being lied sh- to. They're being lied to. And I think now with Apocalypse being shaded off in the corner, I feel like a part of him knows. Well, yeah, I mean, I, what's I think going on? He, he has to know because he's part of these journal entries. Like, yeah. I think he's part of the inner circle. He's one of the three. Like it's the three. He's of one them of the few Mora. people that knows. Yeah, and so he's not celebrating. 
right. at all. And, but Xavier and Magneto are still just trying to like, we're going to try our best here. And like, who knows what that actually means? Because like now it's like, you know what's going, they have a plan. Well, we think they have a plan. Yeah. Moira is kind of the mastermind, but like, we don't, what's going to happen? Like, what do they do now? Like, what's the actual series going to be? I can't wait to get Kitty's perspective on all this. If she is, in fact, that last seat. Yeah, I'm fairly certain she, that, that's a pretty strong Because if, if there's anyone who's, who's going to fight against all this, it's Kitty. And, and, I think and it's, Emma. And Emma. And I think it's interesting that we haven't seen Kitty yet. There is a, but even like Mystique, like what's going to happen when they find out that they're all f- full of it. Yeah. Like, I think there's, this is a very fragile ecosystem Ooh. they have built. Do you think, do you think they're going to create a pod person, um, destiny, but without any of her powers? So that's just going to be a, the one thing of, I was, that could be possible. Xavier. Oh, I don't know what happened. Her ex didn't come back. <laughs> or, or no, or no, he's just, it, it's, or he's it's just, just controlling her. Yeah. The one it's thing I was curious about is, there is a Marauders cover where it's Storm, Xavier, and Bishop standing over a pod person that obviously just birthed, and Bishop is killing it Whoa. and like blowing it open. So I wonder if that's a precog. Oh, oh, that man. maybe one of his Dude, jobs is to I didn't even think about prevent that. Those types of characters. This this book, it's like stuff. This is why I still read comics, man. Is books like this <laughs> and and the collected universe that this is going to spawn with like the book that they are we are some of the books we already know that are going to be coming out like there's so many factions and pieces to this like you can't put this in one book right like, it's not possible it's going to be wild like just some of ugh, dude this book's insane and I, I, I and we still don't know who or what Xavier's body cuz there I saw a a cover they were showing uh, I can't remember what character it was but Xavier was in the background and the lens flare was over his face very, very yeah. pointedly. Well, and I'm there's like, also a cover with Jean Grey with Cerebro on. Ooh. And Dude. a cover that is forged with Krakoa weapons. Whoa. And he's got this huge, Dude. like, 90s almost, like, backpack of weapons with Krakoa this technology. Is, I, already, I already pre-ordered the, um, I had Casey put this in for me, the Every Mutant Ever oh, uh, the, side-by-side yeah. side cover of every one stuff? of the first yeah. ones. I want that so bad. <laughs> is that the what book is that for? It's for all of them. It's for so, all of them. Oh, okay. So all of the issue ones are going to have this Bagley variant where Got it. when you stack them side by side, it's every mutant ever drawn out in like this big is panorama. All, is that all the new number ones that are coming out of this? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. So there's a a fair amount of them then. Yeah. Six. There's I six. Believe. There's six that are coming directly out of this. Uh, I think so. Okay. Well, there's going to be a second wave announced. But uh, so they, this, that's wave one. The first book of the second wave is going to be the Wolverine solo. Gotcha. I hope we get an uncanny out of this. When it, when there isn't a book called Uncanny X-Men, I get like itchy. I yeah, need that. Maybe eventually like the X-Men book. But it's picking up the that. legacy numbering of Uncanny. So That's weird, right? Dude, the thing that Hickman yeah, said about that was... Yeah, Hickman, Hickman <laughs> on Twitter savage. said he wanted to have every every copy pulped because the legacy should be number one i i love hickman because he he builds stories where people it drives fans crazy with theorizing but then he uses twitter to completely like just troll everyone yeah it's so ridiculous he's one of those guys i feel like he knows what he's done like oh absolutely he he put this down and like 
he was probably like, yeah, I did it. He, like, I think this, he, this is it. He also knew how people were going to react to sure. certain stuff. Like he was aware of how, if he put something in a book, how people would theorize about it. Yeah. He, so in control of all I, of it. That's the impression I get every time I read a Hickman book. Because even when I read the Fantastic Four run, there's some insane stuff that happens in yeah. there. And then by the end, you're like, he knew from the second he started writing this, how it was going to end. He knew yeah, exactly it, what was going to happen. His, his storytelling, it's almost like, you know when you get an idea for something and it's like, it's like that little spark yeah. and you, you get like a sense of a beginning and an end. I feel like when he gets an idea for something, it's the entirety of the, of the thing all at it, once yeah. just pops into it his feels head. Like, uh, it feels like sculpting something from, from a slab of marble and you're trying to figure out how to do it and he's next to you and he's like, I did it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, he okay. Feel, he feels like the guy, like you said, he gets that spark and he just sits down and he has the next five years of X-Men. Yeah. He, just, he, he, just like that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a single moment where he knows the beginning, middle, and end of something. Yeah. And he just has it. Like it's, he created this, he, he's reset the entire X-Men universe. Yeah. In 10 issues, 12 I was, issues. I was a little upset when I found out that this was happening because like I, I, I'm a big X fan like, yeah. and I like X-Men continuity and I like it a certain way. So I was a little like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But Not after like the X-Men. second issue, I was like, this is, this is the new X-Men. Oh, just kidding. This is my X-Men. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know that I've always wanted this. And like, uh, I think RJ pointed out like the characters feel so unique and different from each other. Yeah. And like they don't, as much as they're like getting mind melded or whatever, like Xavier and Magneto feel very different and every other character feels super themselves, but also very unique. And I, I, with this many characters, that's like, I can't fathom how he's doing that. Yeah. It's like he, he, it's like he has a superpower with writing. Like (laughs) he's one of those creators. That's like, he was made for this business. Right. This is what he was, this is what he's supposed to do. He loves it. Yeah, yeah, he clearly enjoys it. He deeply, deeply cares about it. I just want to talk yeah. about my favorite panel, which is Let's Siren going up behind Dazzler. Yes, and <laughs> I guess like jump starting her powers. Yeah, so she can Make firework it. all of Krakoa. <laughs> I I love it so much. You know, we've got a little bit of time. I want to get your take on that weird interaction between Emma, <laughs> the sexy party interaction. It's Emma, Wolverine, Scott, and Jean. What's what's going on there? I think we're a family podcast. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, that's fine. We'll leave it there. <laughs> they are. Have you did you see Hickman when he was like a group of mutants is called an orgy? Oh god. On Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. like a group of crows is a murder. Yeah. 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 Oh God! So I just love he like he capitalized on that. <laughs> so let's let's end this on a high note. Uh, Gwenpool Strikes Back number three, my favorite issue so far. Yeah, Lo- loved right. this. So you're on board now. I I wasn't not on board, but I'm like really on board. Like you like, get I'm, it now. I get. Yeah, I think some. She slowed it down for me. I was I wasn't as fast as she was when uh, Leah really was writing this book, <laughs> and she she brought it back for me a little bit, and I really. Uh, really enjoyed this issue and rj was like you're gonna love this like he knew just based on how the pacing was that i would be all in now she she made some she made some fanboys a little upset with this issue and i think that's great i feel like Um, if you're upsetting someone when you're writing like this you're probably doing something right yeah yeah yeah. because like i said like i i I just said it myself like some fans like things a certain way 
And when you step outside of that, it kind of blows up their world. But sometimes you just got to blow up the world, you know, like. I love this issue so much. It felt like Hickman level of writing, but for but for trolling. Just for madness and yeah, stupidity's sake. Yeah, like this is great. So but, this is Gwenpool Strikes Back, number three, Leah Williams, David Baldian. Oh my this this book's almost hard to talk about. Like you've gotta just look at it. You wanna do like con like yeah, it's hard to even do continuity because like it's could change at any second. <laughs> but like I love how this opens up. It it opens up with this giant like talk bubble with a bunch of like blurred out swear words and Gwenpool runs through it like a paper banner. <laughs> and then, so I guess, I guess they're they're still running away from the the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and then there's like a lot of blurred out talk and Deadpool's like, "Why are you talking like that?" She's like, "Whatever, I'm doing whatever I want." I was just like okay i'm in Let's and then she's this. like could a comic character do this and steps over the panel yeah oh wait oh, no God. the next page is when she she steps out of the panel and i guess so yells, I, we cut to david baldian yes. sitting at his wacom tablet drinking a cup of coffee and then a word bubble comes out of his wacom tablet of boo and then he spills his coffee all over the fantastic four who are in the panel under him fantastic it's fantastic it's great and then it's just it's just uh, him throwing his his stylus in the air and walking off. And it says, "My guess is that's Spanish for they don't pay me enough for this." <laughs> yeah, the speech bubbles and banter about like what's going on, priceless in this it's, issue. It's it's There's the most so many meta good ones. thing I've ever it's read. So good. And um, so we go to this great flow chart of are you a Gwenpool or Deadpool fan? which is fantastic. Yeah. Should you read Gwenpool, a helpful guide from Deadpool? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And it essentially it's like, basically like they're the same, but like, do you like your character earnest or not? And it's like, yes, no. And that's like the main difference between yeah. the two characters. So yeah, yeah. Gwenpool is an earnest Deadpool. And then we cut to this wild shot of them standing in front of the flow chart. And like, it's this weird side view of the flow chart. Yeah, and they're talking about the only you know you gotta you gotta get the sales, baby. Like yeah, it's, it's and all why about people sales. like them, and like she's looking through the sales data to figure out what people like about her. <laughs> like, and they like it when she's a villain. Yeah, basically. So cut to like like they liked it when she was robbing the bank. They liked it when she was breaking into the the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I just the whole conceit of having a book to reclaim relevancy so you don't get canceled is just genius. And then every every issue finds it's just. It's so ridiculous. Every issue is her finding the cover art. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that because that was it's that's one of my favorite the best. It's just it's the, so good. Spot. Everything is so meta. Yeah, it's uh Yeah, so basically so she decides to be bad and then it cuts to the Gwenpool strike Gwenpool's island in this style of Yoshi's Island. And <laughs> yeah. you realize that she's cr- she's lured all of these heroes to the island under the guise of helping us like a make a wish sick child thing. And it's a sexy bikini island where it's everyone... my favorite, favorite, uh, favorite plot of the book so far. I also like it's we, so ridiculous. We get a bunch of characters. One of them is She-Hulk and She-Hulk's like massive. Yeah. And there's this little editor's note. It just says, look, this is how Jen is in the current comics right now. Don't at me. <laughs> and I saw a Twitter thread where it was basically the next page where there's that there's this or it's a couple pages from now, but there's a whole lineup. But. It's Jen is in this lineup 
and it was just that panel taken out of context and a bunch of people arguing about how bad the character design is around Jen. It's like, you clearly didn't read this this issue at all because here you are adding her. <laughs> you know, like yeah, exactly, whatever yeah. it is. Whatever like, the, this is what the character people, is now. People were just constantly complaining about Jen's design, but it's yeah, fine. She's it's, great. She's great. I like it. I love all the character design in this issue. It's it, fantastic. It, it, it definitely fits the Top Gun-esque Beach Volleyball vibe they got going right now. <laughs> And then they go through all the people that they she like tricked to get here, like the varsity line. I love the well, the way she categorizes all the heroes. Well, before that, there's this great uh, two panel where it's it's Steve and Bucky standing next to each other, That's and right. she's just standing there like a couple feet away, and then she's a couple feet closer, and she just goes, "You guys look good together." Yeah. I also like her posture. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like super cre- like slow, it's like, just so super great. creepy, like just like a weird like. Because she still has her mask on, so she just kind of looks like a creep. <laughs> she's a teen fan. Like, yeah, she's just how, a teen fan of all these guys. Yeah. They gave uh, Cap uh, 1930s swimwear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so we, we break down the, the, the three lineups. So there's the Varsity lineup, which is Iron Man, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Thor, Black Panther. And then we have the invented to be eye candy, but given better character development later crew, which is She-Hulk. Tigra, Spider Woman, Black Widow, Jessica Jones, Atlas, and Black Cat. Yeah, then she says, I love this. She's the, the reasons why I invited everyone here. Number one, they were all actually available to. And number two, they're just sexy. Look at them. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, Spider Woman goes, This is incredibly offensive. And she goes, It sure is. Two of you are named Jessica. <laughs> and then the uh, the popular with younger readers, bewildering to older readers gang, which I, squad. I feel like squad. I feel like I was the second part of that until this issue i was like i just didn't understand and now i get it <laughs> so we have miss marvel nadia pym miles morales moon, moon girl and devil dinosaur and squirrel girl and i guess her and gwenpool and gwenpool yeah because she's because she throws up the squad <laughs> squad <laughs> so then it, it's it cuts to her on a stage it it introducing kind of the plot to everyone she just kind of bamfed onto this island <laughs> Which he makes basically turn it into like a battle world. Yeah, essentially, it's, it's, it's a battle royal. Which she takes her, uh, yeah, which is hilarious, and everyone's <laughs> like, "No, what?" Like they all just laugh at her, like, "No, you can't beat us." Yeah, I had no idea it was going to turn into battle royale. Yeah, yeah. It's just like if you don't comply, an inordinate amount of lasers come out. <laughs> an inordinate amount of lasers. No, an irresponsible yeah. amount of lasers. Yeah, and then Tony Stark's basically like, you're full of crap and like test the theory like by punching Cap. And because you basically says if you forfeit or you lose, you can go to like this waiting room with snacks yeah. and watch. And he's like, no. So no, he, no. he punches Steve while while Steve is swinging back. He just goes, uh, I forfeit. And then... Yeah, Tony wanted out. He was just like, what's the best way to get out? Well, he was, that and he was testing Steve. the theory, yeah. Because like, he was like, you don't have powers. And she's like, test me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then he still gets punched in the face. But then so he, since he forfeited, he gets kind of bamfed into the waiting room. With, I was like, there are snacks. <laughs> Damn, there are snacks. <laughs> and the terrible eye is there from Gwen's actual series. Yeah. Let's go. And is that is that Kate Bishop, too? Yeah, there's a handful in of the people bottom that, left. That, and then, uh, uh, is that America? Oh, I can't remember her actual name. Oh, America Chavez? Yeah, I think that's her too. Yeah, there's a few people. He's like, I had to exempt these folks from my glory mission. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know who all these people are, but that's that's what RJ's here for. Sure. <laughs> what this one? Yeah, this this panel. That's Kate Bishop, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate Bishop, America, and then Terrible Eye, and the other guy from Gwenpool's actual series. Gotcha. And then Quentin Quire and Jeff the Landshark. Oh, that's okay. And then, and then Squirrel Girl stands up. She's like, is there some kind of incentive to win? <laughs> and, and she uh, apparently has a flashback ability where she can kind of like inception and insert continuity and insert continuity dude i love this was great so she's like tony stark's massive cash prize donation oh yeah that's the the power that she realized she had in the first issue oh okay oh, was yeah. to retroactively make things canon off got it yeah got then it. tony was like yeah i didn't remember that but as soon as she said it i knew it was true <laughs> so it's like and then the, the who's the who's that dude i don't know this evil guy but it basically was like Tony asked, I was like, are you sure she's not a supervillain? <laughs> like, we're not sure what's going on with her. I think that's strange. Is that? Oh, that look. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. That's weird. And then Squirrel goes like, okay, second question. So this is to help you write this whole construct? And she's like, yes, it is. Like, for real. Thank you, Doreen. <laughs> I, I love Squirrel Girl and Gwen's interactions. Yeah. And then basically she's like, okay, you wouldn't be able to beat me, so I forfeit and I'll take these two kids because I don't want you to punch kids in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then there's like another editor so where it's like, she's right. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and then Captain America's like, no. He's like the old grandpa. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, this whole time she's talking um oh yeah there's like there's something with a sheet over the sheet it. over it um and she takes the sheet off and it, re- it reveals bruce banner um, and then she pulls a lever and the it's bruce banner in a cage yeah and she pulls a lever and a cage opens and everyone's like what the hell is she doing and then she just pulls out a gun and just shoots him <laughs> it just shoots him right in the face <laughs> and it was fantastic yeah well then again she has the flashback continuity where she's like yeah i just went and got bruce banner you guys have been looking at him for 24 issues i just went and got him in 15 seconds yeah and it's just like dummies it's just like the two of the it flashes back to the two of them on like a desert road <laughs> yeah and it, I, again when she shoots him it's like hey if you've been reading hulk you know that this doesn't do anything to him and he's just gonna hulk out right now yeah because he's immortal exactly and then so as he starts turning into the hulk they all get these like the sims gems above their head yeah i I think what? it's kind of like Avengers Arena, but I maybe not. But, I don't know. So what I've gathered from this is everyone gets a Sims gem above their head that matches the color of someone else's gem, and those two people have uh, to fight. Okay. Correct. Yeah, so that, those are the matchups. Yeah, yep, so, that's exactly right. So as the Hulk is hulking out, everyone starts getting matched up, and then we cut to Gwen kind of like on this yoga mat. Oh, my God. And then she realizes she... Uh, the Hulk starts storming after her, and he gets a gem over his head, and then this is the this is the cover. So it's like time for the cover shot, dude. This line. And then she says, me up. "Give me a D cup, Terry." <laughs> T- Terry Dodson, the cover artist. And yeah, then I I I don't know about you guys, but I flipped back I'm, to the cover and went, "He did." Yeah, I immediately flipped back. I was like, "This is fantastic." This because of course he did. Because of course he did, and this book is awesome because like it's stuff like that that like. The weird, not the weird, like the, the the different ways where like she goes in and out of the comics. So why wouldn't she be able to like tell the cover artist to to Photoshop her on the cover? Like, you know what I mean? It just makes perfect sense. But I guess the very end of the issue is her getting her gem. Which matches the gem which, over the Hulk. Right. <laughs> I like your response is, oh, word. <laughs> <laughs> and then the preview for the next issue, Scat Me Owner. Oh my god, she does. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Oh my god, yeah, she's swinging Mjolnir. Yeah. Um, 
Of course. So awesome. she of course. made herself worthy somehow. Oh, I yeah. love it. I guarantee she's like, oh, yeah, and I thought I was, yeah, retroactively definitely that's, made her worthy. That's going to be sure. my favorite part of the issue. Oh, is, it's going to be great. Is how she got how, herself. How we get there. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's this whole series is you start with a cover a cover concept. And that then makes you go, what is how going How do you on? get there? And yeah. then we get there. Which which makes me feel like, much like we were talking about with Hickman with like Leah, like she knows exactly what she wants to do with this character in the story arc. Cause like you can't write a story about this without having an idea. Cause like, obviously it has to mesh together somehow. Yeah. So like the cut, yeah. Seeing the cover art, I'm like, Oh, okay. And then you read the story. I'm like, duh, of course, (laughs) of course that's the cover art. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. This, it clicked for me. Finally, this issue, like the absurdity. Yeah. I knew this was going to be better for you. It definitely slowed it down a little bit for me, which I think helped. It's my but favorite issue so far. I, I love it. It's been yeah. This it's is, so fun. It's, it's starting to congeal. Yeah, it just to like to me like it just felt. It just it just it just felt like I was just mainlining speed. I just could not <laughs> keep up with it. I just it was just so much for my brain. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those books that like it's a three minute read. Like yeah, it, it's it's so fast. You gotta kind of stop and look around. Once but you in get while. it because there's, there's so much going on. There's a lot going on. If you just read it straight through like that, like yeah. you're gonna miss half of it. Oh yeah, there's just so much going on. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had to keep going back. Yeah, and the art's really good too. Like David Baldwin is is really great. Oh uh, yeah, I loved him on Domino. And and it's it's a good project for him because like he clearly he, he gets it. Like oh, for cause, sure, cause the art sells the writing in such a great way. Yeah, because you need the art for all what she's doing. Yeah, like it doesn't work without it really. Uh, and then again, this issue, we find out that her Gwenpool and Casey have the same haircut. Yeah. So that was a fun fact. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> she's, uh, Gwenpool's already Casey in my head can. Oh, for sure. And then she took off her mask. So she has Casey's haircut now too. Like, come on. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this was such a fun book. I, I'm, I'm so happy it's out. Does anybody have, speaking of Casey, does anyone have Casey's pull? We can run that down. I can grab it real quick. Yeah. I think she was talking about. Um, I know she wanted to talk about Batman's uh, grave. Ice Batman's, cream man. I know she, ice, cream ice cream man. man. I know she enjoyed Doctor Doom a lot. Yeah. Um, what else was the big one that she was reading that none of ourselves read? Probably. I think that might have been it. She had a small week because she read Batman, Ice Cream Man, Doctor Doom, Black Hammer, Coffin Bound, Black Widow. Maybe I think oh, okay. she said Black Widow was good. She didn't like. The two Joker books that came out, she mentioned. Well, I told her to read the one because it's got it name drops all the serial killers she likes. So. <laughs> is, maybe <laughs> she liked that. Is that one, the Criminal actually. Sanity one? Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't know. If she oh, is that the 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 black label? One? The one that's yeah. a lot like the one we just talked about. Oh, a couple it's weeks ago. nothing like it. Oh, really? It just no. seems like the same thing. <laughs> no, Har- Harley is like a criminal profiler. And oh. I mean, she's a behavioral analyst, but she's trying to track down Joker. Who's I bet like she a gets obsessed with the murderer. Joker. Just saying, <laughs> yeah, obsessed with capturing him. But it, it, it. She goes like and gives like a college lecture about oh. criminals. Oh, so it's like it's Mindhunter Harley Quinn edition. It, yeah, it's way more Mindhunter. All right, it's really it. I liked it, but yeah, I didn't get a chance to read that. one Wasn't as good as Harleen. Mm. Okay, cool. So, uh does anyone have any honorable mentions? I know I do. I just wanted to. You con- start. I wanted to congratulate Todd McFarlane on his record-breaking issue of Spawn, number 301. Well, look at that. Congratulations, Todd. Now everything you do will be done by a record-breaker. Yeah. Forever. 
So he's just he's gonna keep that. breaking his own record. Yeah, over and that over sounds again. expensive. How did he get all those records? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, RJ. Uh, we we did miss you. <laughs> um, the only thing we didn't really talk about uh, that I liked a um, couple quick Battle Pug number two mm. by Mike Norton. We're gonna talk about that eventually, aren't we? It's absurd, man. It's kind of this one kind of ends with like the giant battle pug that he's riding uh, gets taken, and you realize it's just a giant's dog. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm s- kind of in on this. <laughs> this is great. Absurdity is becoming our forte. So, it I really mean, is. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, thumbs wrapped up. Number five. We talked about that once or two, twice. Um, that book's way too hard to explain. I didn't get it. I think it was like technology's bad but also good i don't i didn't really i don't think i got it either but then it ended with like it, it, it was it, it was ended like, up it's it, like black mirror it, yeah it was like a black mirror like what happens with technology and like how it affects human relationships and stuff like that the art was really cool i really liked the color work it, it yeah. almost it, like it seemed to glow like it has its own light source and using the the pink with the really because there's really not many colors other than like the characters and like pink yeah it's so like, like black it and really and stands out red yeah. and pink so those are probably the only other two that i really read that stood out to me i uh i really liked the secrets of sinister house anthology it had a couple new people to dc doing their the first projects and there was a really good uh zatanna and harley quinn paul dini story and i liked both of jody hauser's books this week uh harley quinn and poison ivy and uh her black widow book both are they they both came out on the same week last month and i both and i enjoyed them so far i don't know <laughs> all right cool is that the web of black widow yes okay yeah i think casey mentioned that that was pretty good and you did too so maybe i should read that <laughs> so that's uh that's last week's books uh anyone looking forward to anything next or this week there is a lot coming out there is a lot um Ooh, there's see. a lot uh, so I see right off, uh, just going from Chastity number two. I look like that's by Leah Williams again. Um, Gideon Falls number seventeen. That's Jeff Lemire, like his like horror book, uh, classic I, creature feature. That looks, looks great. Cool. Um, the Mask Pledge Allegiance to the Mask number one by Christopher Cantwell, who just apparently is just writing seventeen books right now because <laughs> we talked about him with Doom and everything. So he's got another book coming out. There's a Metal Men number one. We kind of talked about that off mic. Yes, that we looks did. Pretty and I was, we'll begrudgingly read that. Begrudgingly. So we're not fans of the Metal Men? Well, <laughs> I'm a fan of the Metal Men. I don't know how big a fan I am of Dan Didio. Okay, fair enough. Ooh, uh, Something is Killing the Children number two. Yep. Yes. And Once in Future 3. Yep. Ooh, and Spook House Halloween special. X-Men. X-Men number, uh, Absolute Carnage number four. Oh, yeah. And you, the book I finally need to catch up on Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the four. best yes. book that's yes, coming yes, out. Yes. So that's probably going to be talked about extensively when uh, <laughs> next week. Uh, those are the ones that pop out to me. I don't know. Be X Men number one. <sighs> Man, who knows what that is? That going to be just f- like uh, ultra sized? Just like just here's a tome. Here you go. Here's I think some it's X-Men. forty pages, but I'm not positive. Whoa. That's yeah. pretty big. That is pretty big. Also, the the team changes each issue. It's a rotating roster. So everyone on Krakoa is part of the X-Men. Which makes sense because they're all part of the X-Men, yeah. <laughs> as yeah. we've learned in Powers. And that'll be 
They, Pretty I went cool. to the the X Men uh, Dawn of X New York panel, and there was this one cover that they revealed for X Men that's just Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse in suits, and they go to like a World Trade Embassy, and that's the issue. Yes, <laughs> I want to see Apocalypse in a suit. I can't talking wait. to humans. That is a busy tailor. They also revealed. Uh, <laughs> they gotta have a mutant for that. Forge. Oh, just spawns Forge. fabric. Forge. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It's uh, it's forage for clothes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's called man. Taylor. <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's this week's books after last week's books. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Week's Comics. Also, if you're a Facebook user, we created a Facebook group, so you can actually hang out there and talk directly to us. Uh, if we think you're worthy, we'll talk back. Um, that's uh, Tales from the Short Box listeners. It's just a Facebook group. Look us up. You can find us. Um, yeah, hang out with us there. If you like what you hear, you want more, please support us by going to duelinggenre.com support and give money to our Patreon. Not only will you help us keep the lights on here at Tales from the Short Box, but you will get a ton of Patreon-exclusive content from the whole Dueling Genre family. And please... Support your local comic shop. Get out there, buy some comics, and we'll see you next week. For myself, Sean, RJ, and uh, Casey via the ether, (laughs) this is Tales from the Short Box. Goodbye, everybody.